0: This is Law Bites, a podcast with Michael Geist.
1: The bill I am introducing today will do just that for Canadians. It will not only modernize Canada's privacy regime, but it will also introduce new measures to support the responsible development of artificial intelligence in our country.
0: Earlier this summer, Ryan Black joined the LogBytes podcast to discuss the privacy aspects of Bill C-27, Canada's privacy reform bill introduced in June by Innovation Science and Industry Minister Francois-Philippe Champagne. But the bill isn't solely about privacy, as it also contains the Artificial Intelligence and Data Act, the government's attempt to begin to scope a regulatory environment around the use of AI technologies. Florian Martin-Berritteau is a friend and colleague at the University of Ottawa, where he holds the University Research Chair in Technology and Society and serves as Director of the Centre for Law Technology and Society. He is currently a fellow at Harvard's Berkman Klein Centre for Internet and Society, and he joins me on the podcast to break down the AI portions of Bill C-27. One programming note before our conversation. The Law Bites podcast will take a brief hiatus for the rest of the summer and return in September. Florian, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Okay, It's really nice to have uh, a friend uh, and colleague come on. Um, as you know, and many of our listeners will know, the government uh, fairly recently introduced Bill C-27, which has got a lot of attention on the privacy side. And I had an earlier podcast with Ryan Black that focused on the, the privacy-related reforms coming out of that bill. But it's about it's a bill that's more about more than just privacy. Uh, included as well is the Artificial Intelligence and Data Act. So I'd like to get... Into what's in the bill and how it compares with some other jurisdictions, but I want to start very broad from a policy perspective for those that haven't given a lot of thought to AI and issues around regulation. And but the, I guess, the basic question of why regulate AI? You know, what kind of concerns are we trying to address?
1: Yeah. So as as you said, it was a bit of the the surprise of C eleven. We were all expecting you know the introdu- reintroduction at some point of the uh, former uh, C uh, C eleven, and so we had that uh, AIDA uh, AI and, and data uh, act. So why regulate AI? Well, AI you know has been uh, all over the news in the recent years, uh, especially during during this pandemic when we're, like we our lives uh, moved uh, fully online. And uh, so the race of AI, or at least the so called AI, because we can discuss this later, but. AI is often used as more like a, as a marketing, uh, term, but more and more we have autonomous or semi autonomous systems that are being deployed, uh, in our everyday lives from like, you know, ordering food to going to, uh, the cinema to our shopping experience to online. What we're seeing on, on social media on uh, like the vehicles, uh, facial recognition used by, uh, law enforcement agencies or even by uh, in the shops et cetera, medical devices uh, autonomous contract all the new tools being deployed in the so called uh, smart cities et cetera. so there is a lot of use of of ai uh, especially in government also that have been raising concerns concerns of of bias uh because of the way the system or or trained on biased data or the way they have they are designed uh, amplifying uh, current injustices or just creating new uh, way of arming, especially marginalized uh, communities. And we also had AI system or like faulty, uh, I'm thinking of like some some uh, autonomous vehicles or issues with some airplanes or with some contract system or like the autonomous system kind of went went uh, rogue wild we had social bots like bots on on social media that went wild and uh, racist etc so we saw a lot of uh, issue in the in uh, in the past years uh, that led to um, uh to call for for regulations sometime uh, to ban there's been a lot of uh, call to ban facial recognition used by law enforcement and by corporations around the the world and why regulate this? Because so many issues, and we have we have legal framework that applies, but they're often imperfect, or like they're gonna apply, um, like the it's gonna be very complex to apply them to this new situation and to a fully autonomous uh, agent and. Often, rather than looking at the hard law and doing like the, the hard work of thinking on how to interpret uh, our statutory uh, frameworks, we, we went on uh, to rely on soft law, code of ethics, policies. So very nice tool that can be helpful to help design and think through, you know, uh, all of those systems. But there is uh, an issue on the enforcement uh, side. And so in, in that act, uh, I think this is, at least on paper and based on the press release, what the, the federal government uh, tried, tried to address, uh, but on focusing on the use of, of data in AI uh, system.
0: Okay. So uh, a, a lot of sources of, of different kinds of concerns, everything from bias in AI to, you know, bias- lots run wild and who's responsible where some of these kinds of things occur and and you're right to highlight that that much of the approach in the past has has emphasized more softer approaches, and we've seen yeah. this gradual shift. what kind of law do we laws or rules do we have right now around let's say corporate misconduct or some of the biases that you just identified are, are some of those laws capable of dealing in your view with with some of these issues or is this is this the kind of thing that is is long overdue or just overdue um given the inadequacy of what we have in place right now
1: so I think the the very like uh, you know, legal answer is like it depends slash all of the above. Uh, for it's very much like a, we need to have a kind of case by case uh, approach. Uh, a series of of issues have been uh, addressed uh, by courts in Canada or like uh, around the world implementing no general doctrines. Uh, for contract for, for torts uh you know privacy rules Etc they definitely like apply to uh to to most AI systems to most corporate be- behaviors that could be uh, harmful it's not because you're using an an AI that you're not governed by the the usual uh you know rule of, rule of law although uh, some concepts and some approaches in those uh, legal doctrine have been developed in the in the society of another age. Uh, especially if we think of like torts or of contract, uh, and but like to be honest, you know most of those the issues that we're seeing uh, for AI system are not just AI specific. When we think of the so, some of the issue with the deployment of uh, contract and some standard form contract for AI system. As you know, we had the same uh, over the internet, or like the idea of consent with privacy. Uh, again, it's not an issue that's proper to to AI, uh, but the um, when you look at some deployment of AI system, it amplified those those concerns. So we don't really need new laws for everything, but in some cases we might need some new rules for some uh, autonomous or semi-autonomous system because. They, uh, they lead to like a paradigm shift or to very new behaviors that we, we never had uh, before. And, and most of all, you know, beyond just having like principle in the law, like rules, we also need, in my opinion, like enforcement agencies, uh, with like, and so regulators with, uh, order making powers, with finding powers, not just like sweet code of conducts and, uh, ethical, uh, guidelines. And so, that's why there was all, all those calls. Uh, there has been a lot of conversation about automated decision-making, notably like in the public sector and at the federal level, uh, we have the treasury board directive that's imperfect, but at least provide um, some guidance uh, on the use of uh, some AI system in the public sector. Quebec just reformed uh, last year the, the privacy law. So for like automated decision-making, uh, and the user, uh, the processing of personal uh, information so uh so th- there is like some tools uh, same for tort law but it's imperfect for example, when you look at tort law when you look at non intentional intentional harms uh for some very autonomous systems and some like remote harms it might be very complex for for Canadians to to be able to uh, obtain remedies from, from the courts so this is why that has been called to to develop like uh, more uh, yeah b- better legal frameworks and also with rights with algorithmic accountability and right of actions for for citizens and uh, enforcement powers to make sure that you know cooperation will will follow suit
0: okay so there you know you've made a good case for why there there are some holes at a minimum in terms of the frameworks we've got right now and there's a need for some of these rules i want to come to what canada has in mind in the bill in just a moment but before i do that you know this bill is as as i said off the top included within what I think is more broadly known as a as a privacy reform bill. That's where the emphasis has 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 come from. And you know, there there's oftentimes uh, a link made between privacy and AI. In fact, even within the the privacy part of this this bill, there are some provisions related to algorithmic transparency. Can you highlight in your view? where some of these differences lie, you know, what is the difference between some of the core privacy issues and algorithmic transparency as compared to some of the AI related issues that you've just been citing?
1: No, no, exactly. As you mentioned, it's, it was, that's why it was kind of a surprise to see that that act included. And it felt almost like at the last minute, you know, in the new C11 at the same time as the official title of the, the short title of this, uh, of C11 is, the Digital Charter Implementation Act. It kind of makes sense because in the infamous uh, Digital Charter, that was just, like in my opinion, an electoral platform for the Liberal Party um, in in 2019. Uh, there was like a mention of you know um, uh, AI system, etc. But uh, in my opinion, like AI is is way better than uh, the, like issue raised by uh, AI systems, or more than just privacy for sure. Privacy and data are like a big part uh, of the of AI AI systems because this is also where we we've seen the the biggest issues, especially in, in Canada you know, with the Clearview uh, AI uh, scandals with uh, and and many other like privacy. Uh, Scandals, but as I mentioned uh, um, earlier, issues are like more diverse. Than just privacy, privacy is just like one one aspect, uh, one area uh, of the law that we need to reform and to adapt to the AI age. Uh, and so, algorithmic transparency would also uh, require like changes in the uh, thought frameworks in contract law, etc. That and we'll discuss it later. That C eleven doesn't address at at all, and it's almost kind of strange to see like Aida because it's so much like privacy oriented and data oriented. But one is to consider why it's not included in the first part of the of the act because the one of the main regulated activities is. Processing or making available for use, you know, any data related to human activities for the purpose of like designing those uh, AI uh, systems. That's very much like privacy reform. <laughs> why not? Um, why not including it? Uh, the Act also discussed a lot, you know, anonymous data but without any kind of definition while we have this definition in CCP. So it's kind of strange. It all feels like it almost feels like it would be like more like an extra, you know, a new section in the CCP than an act by itself.
0: Why don't we start with uh, how it, how the bill seeks to define an AI system and what kinds of activities does it seek to regulate?
1: Yeah, so that's kind of the the first point that uh, raised concern. I would say in the bill is. Well, like, what is AI? And nobody is able to define what is AI. And the the government tried to to propose a very strange definition that nobody really knows exactly what it covers. It's it's very broad. So if we welcome, you know, broad definition. It allows to uh, to be able to to welcome new behaviors that we may not have been able to. Uh, to to know to think of when we design like legal framework, but sometimes it's it may be too broad. We don't really know what is uh, included because so it's autonomous and semi autonomous system. They like technological system that processes like data. They might be also relying on other techniques. Nobody know what or like other techniques. To generate content, if you're thinking of like other conversion we are having right now in Canada, like a technique that generates content can be pretty much like anything. So it's it's very broad, maybe too broad. Uh, I'm guessing this is uh, something that's going to be heavily discussed. As to the the regulated activities, what is covered uh, by by the act? So first, you have like processing and uh, making available. Uh, any kind of data relating to human activities for the purpose of designing, developing, and using uh, an AI system. So, so very broad. Uh, and then it also meant to regulate the the designing, the development, and the uh, deployment of such AI uh, system. So, in the in the world, it's it's work, it's very broad, which is which is good. It's really meant to cover all kind of ai related uh activities. Uh and the purpose of the act is to regulate you know international and interprofessional trade and commerce of ai system and to provide such uh, certain conduct and that's a constitutional um, concern you know the, the usual battle between the federal power and the province uh and this is the the way uh the federal government is uh, is calling upon their the jurisdiction is to use so international trade and interprofessional uh, trade trade and commerce uh maybe we can discuss it later it kind of makes sense but also bring like some uh, some some limitation and one of the biggest maybe limitation of the act and there is no constitutional explanation is that the whole public sector has been deemed out of scope we don't know why, because for sure the federal government has competency to regulate the public sector, and we have already like tools that exist. So we would have, you know, expected the federal government to build on existing uh, the the existing directive to, you know, show show the way to especially to the corporate world. And also there is a um, an argument to be made that when the government uh deploy only in a very ethical system and have like a procurement pipeline that force the provider to respect a, a set of good practices and documentation it just gonna force the the industry to, to update so that would have been welcome and we don't really know why uh they can uh, be uh excluded the government can also exclude any kind of other organization just by regulation so that's uh, That's an issue, but again, that's a a good thing. On the other hand, is that they cover uh, all aspects of development and deployment of of AI.
0: For those that, that find themselves inside the tent, so I recognize you saying that there are any number of different kinds of AI systems that might have been included that are not, but to the extent to which... There are some that are, and I know there's a bit of a focus on what might be thought of as high-impact AI systems. What requirements does does the legislation actually establish? So once they've identified what's in, what kind of requirements are included within yeah. the bill?
1: So that's actually like you you put your finger on one of the biggest issues in, in the act. So it's very complex. It's like you need to read it like several times to fully understand Like. The exception to the exception to the exception, but also actually in the act itself there is not much. Almost everything and everything that matters is delegated to regulation, including you know, exactly you know who is covered, who is not covered, what do you need to do. Uh, uh, the approach overall for like uh, AIDA is all about like transparency and documentation, uh, which is good. Although we. Don't really know what kind of transparency and obligation and documentation obligation uh, will exist because that will be defined uh in uh in regulation. And transparency and documentation may be might, you know, very good and they we call for this, but there are like two risks. First, another lot of information, because there is like transparency and also like you know ob- obfuscation by. Too much transparency, uh, and sometimes uh, the the documentation could be used uh, an excuse to to more uh, violation. You know, oh, but it was somewhere in the document. It was buried somewhere in the documentation. So it's almost an out of jail card. And I will come back to this. This is also one of the issue the the provision in, in the act. But so, as you mentioned, the act seems to appears to have a focus on high impact AI system. There is like. We are the access that there will be a set of requirements and rules for like all AI system to be defined in regulations. And then there are like extra requirements for high impact systems. Although I am unable to let you to tell you what are like high impact system because that will be defined in a regulation. So will it be like different level? Will they be like, you know, uh low impact, medium impact, high impact system like we've seen like in other pieces of uh, uh regulation in, in Canada or abroad we um, we don't know well, based on the context you no know, on the on the overall like framework of the of AIDA high impact system will probably be an uh, ai system that will have a reversible uh effect you know on 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 Canadians uh because of the of the bias that they create or like the the harms would it be like martial harm or physical or psychical harm or like the damage to an individual property or uh, the economic loss to an individual so like if they have like an effect that could not be uh, remediated that would be an high impact system but that's a wild guess if I look you know at the or the provision of the act and some other practices uh, that that's one of the issues like, maybe would have welcome it, it's good to rely on regulation to have a flexible framework but too much regulation it's also a lot of uncertainty both for canadians but also for like corporations because basically we have an act that is like could be a nice shell and it's not in my opinion but it's kind of an empty shell uh, at the, the moment. And so, well, I, especially I impact, uh, sorry, yeah, I impact uh, AI system will have a lot of documentation uh, obligations and transparency obligation. They will need to develop uh, check and balances, uh, you know, system and like monitoring system within the organization to, to make sure that the, the AI system behave as it was uh, expected. But again, we don't really know exactly what it will mean because those obligations ought to be, you will guess, defined in regulation. Uh, although we know that, that all that documentation for all AI system should be in plain language. But as you know, and I'm sure um, your auditors, uh, no, like plain language is a double-edged sword. We've seen that is not working that well in the privacy area. Uh, one, one good thing, uh, although, and uh, a very important requirement in in AIDA is that a person who is responsible for a high impact system will have the obligation to notify the minister if uh, the use of the system results or is likely to result in a material harm. Uh, so there will be like not just documentation, but you will have to proactively, uh, inform the, the, minister, which is good. And, but then, you know, what does it mean? Does it mean that then the minister will, will, you know, put in place specific, uh, I know more like in-depth auditing, uh, of the, of the organization of the system? We don't know. Again, we guess slash hope that it will be defined in regulation.
0: How does the government plan to enforce all of this?
1: That's that's a very good question, and that's also uh, a question that's raised by the the recourse to like you know the criminal uh, criminal offences and criminal power because there are also like other offences more like more general for like reckless, reckless uh behaviors with then like twenty up to 25 million uh, in fines. So again, like very important, but the offense, like the burden of proof is so high, but I don't even see how like uh, a proctor will be able to, you know, to, to build a case and win it in court. But so how to enforce this. So the good news is that for once, like, you know, the draft provide for like automaking uh, powers for the so for the but for the minister, so we for the reporting requirement, auditing, so AMPs, the criminal offense, etc. It's it, I would say it's quite uh, unusual, especially when you look at the data and privacy protection uh, in Canada. But one of the issues is that so the, the enforcement rely on the minister, and it could be any minister designated in a regulation, uh, but uh, by default it would be the the Minister of uh, Innovation, Science and, uh, and Industry. But the act uh, provides that the, the, the Minister of Innovation may name an AI and data commissioner. So we, we have heard and we have been waiting for this infamous data commissioner for years. This is something that they, they promised in the in uh, many documents, including in in many budgets, often changing the the scope uh, of uh, you know like the the purpose of such a commissioner, and so we finally seen uh, this infamous data commissioner appear in a piece of legislation. Except that this is not a commissioner, you know, like in Canada, commissioners usually are like independent. A agent of the parliament, such as the the privacy uh, uh, commissioner, no, the AI and data commissioner with quotes, uh, is just a public servant. I mean, it's just like someone in the in the minister of uh, well, in I said uh, if it's the minister of innovation that is in charge, like a high level public servant that would be named as the AI and data commissioner that will uh, have a mission to support. The, the minister in the administration of uh, of the, the act and so the enforcement, the order making, etc., which is questionable. Uh, that was quite a, a surprise. I'm not sure it's the, the best way uh, uh, forward uh, for, for everybody to, to rely on some yet uh, um, uh, a service within the, the minister of innovation to have in charge like the the designing of the regulation and also like the, the enforcement of, uh, of this regulation uh, of that, the, of that act. That's in my opinion, uh, problematic. And also it's kind of strange that, you know, in C11. So yeah, you have one bill with three statutes, but like two main, main, well, actually four statutes, but like two main, uh, statutes. Uh, and they don't, there is no legislative, uh, you know, uh, consistency in the in pro- approach, between the privacy, uh, the new privacy reform, and AIDA. Uh, that is for the IMP, for for the fines, for like the order making powers, not just in the amount, and how it's, you know, the threshold are calculated, or even it's written in the act, and all the administrative, but even like all the enforcement that make no sense. And we end up with like in C11, an independent agent of parliament, that end up with less power, and that it is subjected to a new, very strange tribunal. Uh, so he has less power than uh, a public servant uh, that is here to support uh, a ministerial office. That is very strange, uh, in my opinion. And also the, the reliance on the criminal um, offences and, and the public servant could be could be an issue. Uh, yeah, and it's not possible to for the public to to bring forth an action. This is also like a, in my opinion, a, a major gap in the in the act. There is no right to action, at least you no know, a, a civil basis for for Canadians. You
0: know the terminology sounds the same when we yeah. talk about commissioners, but uh, clearly there's a pretty dramatic difference between having an independent agent of parliament as a commissioner and having someone who works within the government serve in that commissioner style role. It's, it sounds like a commissioner, but these things are not exactly the same uh, mm-hmm. to, to say the least. All right. Well, before we, before we wrap the, the Canadian proposals are coming up in the context of of course, other jurisdictions also thinking specifically around some of these issues. And uh, for those that, that follow uh, Follow the debate around AI regulation. It's Europe that's really uh, the European Union that's really taking the lead. Can you compare how the Canadian system, such that it is, and I think anyone you know been paying attention here realizes that you know your description at one point of this is being roughly a shell that gives a bit of a framework with with a lot of the, the coloring in still to come. But you know, parking that to the side for a moment, how does the Canadian system? proposed canadian system compared to other AI, ai regulation particularly out of coming out of europe
1: yes so i would uh, as you mentioned in my opinion like contrary to what uh, the government you know said in the when they tabled c, uh, c 27 i i do think that the eu is still leading the conversation we may disagree in you know in some of the provision and the, the approach in the eu ai act but i do not think that C27 is uh you know is a piece of like thought leadership on how to regulate the digital space or ai systems um the there is it's similar in the global approach is in the in the sense that the the kenyan approach adopt a risk based approach like AIDA is a risk based approach with you know uh, depending on the level of impact of your system, we understand that the rules will not be the same. That if you uh, develop or operate, you know, high risk system, uh, then you would have like more obligation, and you the the fine formulation would be like at a higher uh, level. But the without knowing more, it's very hard to. To very like you know understand and compare both, both framework because as you you reminded uh, uh, a few seconds ago like everything will be in regulation and that might be one of the the biggest you know uh, difference in in other uh proposed regulation uh or like you know framework in Canada and abroad or like usually the the core piece include like the the matrix uh you know like so and in Ida there is everything is still possible. As long as you document, there is no option to maybe prohibit uh, some some system that would be too harmful. The scope is very restrictive. You know, the public sector is not included. When, like in comparison, the UAI AI Act applies to pretty much like everything uh, under under the sun. There is like some some exception, of course, but the the basis is very like general and then we build some exception rather than like IDA, feels more like it will be an exception for the act to apply to a sector or to a system rather than it will apply and sometimes you might be uh, out of, of the scope. The other like big difference as I mentioned earlier is the EUA AI- act provide an actual framework for all systems as well as the analysis uh, matrix you know, and like and proper uh, definition. Sometimes it might be too much, and there has been a lot of, you know, criticism, and there is a lot of conversation in in uh, in the EU about it. But at least there is like some more meat to have a conversation and to have regulatory uh, tools. None of this, uh, as I said, is in Ida, and everything will have to be discussed in uh, in regulation. And beyond, like, so Europe has been leading this, but we've seen like some proposals also in in the US or like other other countries, but even in Canada. So, uh, you know, on the conceptual framework, the, the Treasury Report Directive, so for the deployment and the, the use of automated decision-making system within the federal government is way better designed. And even if, as you know, like some some flaws uh, and you have like proper enforcement mechanism, I think it was like a good approach with like uh, impact assessment, etc., And it's kind of sad that this the government that developed and you know, adopted the, the Treasury Board Directive did not uh, build on like previous successes that has been like, you know, acknowledged and celebrated around the world as kind of like a, a very good standard. Uh, that's very strange to just develop yet another uh, approach to regulating the exact same uh, subject matter. So there
0: was, opportunities to, to build on, on some of the prior work, that was foregone. Opportunities to take a look at what takes place or has taken place in some other jurisdictions, that was done on at best on a limited basis. And while it sounds like you're supportive of the, the move towards creating an AI regulatory structure, uh, I mean, to me, the overriding impression at the at the end of this conversation is that there's an awful lot of heavy lifting still to come.
1: No, exactly. And we can we can also disagree with the first part of the action with the CCP, etc. But I think, and I disagree with a lot of, of it. But there is more like you know, it, more 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 meat, more more content. This is this is kind of missing in, in in Ida. So we don't really know exactly what would be covered or it would be covered. But. It, I think it's, it's fi- fixable. Like a lot should be, uh, should be changed, but like we need to have better definition. We need to have better scope. I wouldn't be against you know, seeing more like a, uh, a, C- a CPPA uh, approach on how you no, how to, uh, to define the, the scope. But yeah, we need to provide the, the key element of the framework in the act, not just in, uh, in our regulation. In my opinion, we should, also include uh civil remedies as we have in other federal acts. So I'm fully aware of the limitation uh when we like in that kind of in between you know matters or like there is kind of a, a cross uh jurisdiction over those issues but civil remedies uh that could be considered as a right of action for, for candidates seems like essential and also I will end uh, on this uh we need to provide in the act for whistleblower protection, with exception to the criminal code, because everything relies on documentation and information. And there is a lot of protection, uh, provision to make sure that we still protect confidential information and and trade secrets. But we have also a provision in the criminal code that comes to protect trade secrets. And under this provision, uh, anybody that will want to come to the minister uh, to disclose uh, confidential information, trade secret that will show that such uh, that an AI system is uh, is causing like uh, harm, even like high uh, high impact system, those people will not be protected under the current uh, version of of AIDA and uh, could be uh, sued in criminal courts by by the corporations. So that's yet another gap that I hope to see uh Uh, fixed uh, when it will be discussed uh, in parliament.
0: Okay, pretty dizzying array of of changes and work yet to be done. And uh, glad to know that you'll be uh, on the case and uh, making sure that uh, our, our elected officials are aware both of what's taking place globally, but also the room for improvement here in Canada. Florian, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation. It was lovely to discuss this with you.
0: That's the Law Bites podcast for this week. If you have comments, suggestions, or other feedback, write to lawbites at pobox.com. Follow the podcast on Twitter at LawBitesPod or Michael Geist at MGeist. You can download the latest episodes from my website at michaelgeist.ca or subscribe via RSS at Apple Podcast, Google, or Spotify. The Law Bites podcast is produced by Gerardo LeBron Leboy.